You know, if you talk to anybody in marketing, and if, if you just talk to them and, and ask them about translating things into other cultures, they, they can give you all kinds of horror stories. In fact, some of the greatest attempts to translate some of the things we do in our own language into other languages um, can end up being rather bizarre or can get lost in translation. And probably the most famous of, of all those is John, John Kennedy. I don't know if, you, if you're, um, you're old enough to remember uh, when he announced to the people of Berlin, he said, Ich bin ein Berliner, which makes a lot of sense. You kind of hear that. Um, he thought he was saying, I'm a citizen of Berlin and kind of coming alongside them. And what he really said is, I'm a jelly donut. Um, because to his dismay, the word Berliner in German really means jelly donut. And in spite of the blunder, he became a hit with Germans who were really amused by JFK's really unintentional humor. But this lost in translation phenomenon which JFK experienced happens all the times when marketers try and take um, something that is popular and add popular here in the U.S. and they try and bring it somewhere else, you know, as we move into international marketing. So um, there, let me give you an example. In Chinese, the Kentucky Fried Chicken slogan, <clears throat> finger licking good, came out as eat your fingers off. <laughs> That's right. That fried chicken is so good you'll want to eat your fingers off is what they heard. Or um, in Italy, <clears throat> there was a campaign for Schweppes tonic water. It got translated as Schweppes toilet water. Yeah, you can improve any drink with Schweppes toilet water. Gerber started selling baby food in Africa, and they used the same packaging as you, they did in the U.S. They just kind of thought, yeah, we'll just package it the same. And they actually used that little be beautiful Caucasian baby, and they put it on the label on the, uh, on the front. And they found out later that in Africa, companies routinely put pictures on the label of what's inside of what they're eating <laughs> because people can't read. Some contexts are really more difficult than others. In fact, things get lost in translation when you try and, and take something here and put it into another environment, another context. And, and Pepsi has an interesting one because Chinese is probably one of the more difficult ones. Pepsi's come alive with the Pepsi generation translated actually, Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave. <laughs> now that can be a good or bad thing, right? And then the, one of that own popular ad campaign, which um, you're so familiar with, the Dairy Board has been putting on for a number of years. You remember the one that says, got milk? Well, what they didn't realize, and you kind of think, how can you botch this up? In Mexico, the campaign was dropped after it was discovered that the Spanish translation meant literally, are you lactating? <laughs> it's just not the question you want to go around asking. Now we laugh at that, and that's humorous. But really, one of the greatest struggles in the Christian life is translating what you do on Sunday to Monday. One of the greatest struggles that we have is taking what we do here in an hour or so on a Sunday morning, which is really less than a few percent of our life, and what happens and how do you connect what we're doing here on Sunday through the rest of the week? And, and what difference does this make throughout your week? And the church has really struggled to do that well. I think people struggle to do that well. How can we be fully aware that knowing, following, and becoming like Jesus just isn't an hour or two on Sunday? 
How do we accurately translate this truth into reality that whatever you do, whatever I do throughout the rest of the week is significant to God? In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, Paul is preaching, and he makes this little comment and, and, and as he's been preaching, but it's fundamental. It's a key to, I think, this translation from Sunday to Monday. It's something very important. If this is going to happen at all, any chance of it happening, this is very important. Paul says at one point, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation... He fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. He makes a simple little point here that you see in all the lives of people who have had impact throughout not just their worship time, whether it was in the temple, but throughout the, the, the days of their life. And when he, when he makes this point, David saw his entire life, whatever he did, as a part of serving God's purpose. He was called to serve God, whether he was watching some sheep uh, as a shepherd in a field. He he was called to serve God, whether he had a stone in a sling standing before a giant. He was called to serve God, even when he was running with these, uh, um, these people who had left the kingdom and he was through the wilderness. He knew that his life was still to serve God, even when he was in the home that he had built in Jerusalem, even in the king, in his kingdom, and in his work as the ruler of that country. He saw his life as serving God's purpose. When David had served God's purpose, and I think it's history, in his own generation. Right now, right here in this place. Central to translating well our lives, whatever we would do, is to understand this idea of calling. God creates us for a purpose, and he, in that purpose, does things to prepare us. He uses our passions, and he, and he begins to mix those together with our temperaments and our gifts and our abilities. And in those places, God has a purpose for us. And we begin to see that where we are at throughout the day, throughout the week, is a part of God's greater purpose. It changes the way we see things. And understanding that, that, that God has a calling on your life changes how you view the rest of your week. You've been created by God to do something God wants you to do. Whether a receptionist, a missionary, a mechanic, a flight attendant, or a stay-home parent, there's a calling in your life. And I'm convinced that God has a call on each one of your lives. doesn't matter if you're a plumber or a teacher or a custodian, you're an executive, a broker, or administrative assistant, It doesn't matter if you're a preschool. God has a call in your life. And God has called and is calling you to do something very significant for him. And it's more than a paycheck. It's more than holding a job and, and, and taking your time and trying to get meaning out of that. It's greater than that. And so knowing this and living this out is, is really one of the great privileges of, of knowing God and walking with God. In fact, one of the wisest men in all of um, Scripture, we're told, Solomon, actually says at one point, he, he says, um, this, this is what 
is really good. He says a person can do nothing better than eat and drink and find satisfaction in their work. This too, he says, I see is from the hand of God and for without him who can eat or find enjoyment. There is something about where you're at, whatever station of life you're at, wherever you're at, as God is is calling you into his purpose in that situation, there is the opportunity to find fulfillment. And to realize and to actualize this truth is really something essential. And the question really isn't um, to consider, am I called? The quest is really to ask yourself on a continual basis, what is my calling? At this place, at this time, in this situation, in these circumstances, what is my, what, what is my calling from God in this greater purpose that he has for my life? A calling, I'm going to kind of give you this, is what I think a calling is. A calling is God's personal invitation to work on his agenda using the gifts and talents you've been given in ways that are eternally significant. And no matter where you're at and whatever you're doing, that calling can apply. So listen to that again. A calling is God's personal invitation for you to work on his agenda. And you're saying, whatever you're doing, there is a possibility for his agenda to be at work. And for you to ask yourself, what is your agenda in this? And, 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 and the other side of this is using the gifts and talents you've been given in ways that are eternally significant. And so, to know the sense of calling requires believing this, this truth of Scripture that David seemed to exemplify that we find all the time in people who are following God. And it's just a simple, it's a simple truth that as you um, begin to understand it and you live it out, can make a difference in your life. And it is this, God has made you for a purpose. God has made you for a purpose. Every person and part of God's created order has a purpose. Your life was given for a purpose to fulfill God's agenda. And God personally invites you to be a part of his specific purposes. And catch this. This is the part I want you to catch. And, and part of that purpose is the expression of your life through your work, whatever you do. So as you think about it, flowers have a purpose, the rain has a purpose, the sun exists for a purpose, there's some reason for mosquitoes, I guess, right? Anybody? No? Um, in our ecosystem, you talk to a biologist and they'll tell you that all the parts are really important because they all kind of serve one another. Look at the human anatomy. And in a medical profession, and scientists will tell you that as you study the body, you'll see that each of the parts have some purpose for their being where they're at. So if you think about it, if God created the sun and the moon and the stars and, and they were for a purpose and God created the oceans and seas and lakes and if God created the, the, the rocks and the hills and the plains for a purpose, would God create you without a purpose? If God has created inanimate objects for a purpose, would he not create you for a purpose as well? Now, this is critically important to get. Here's the difference between being a human being and the rest of the material and animal world. There's a significant difference that we find in Scripture. They're all created for a purpose. They all fit into God's purpose. In God's kingdom, world, and universe, they all have their parts. But here's the key difference. You have a choice to participate in God's purpose. You catch that? All the rest of them, they are fulfilling God's purpose. 
But somehow God gave us a choice. In fact, if you go back to Genesis from the beginning in the Old Testament book, you find that God is creating the material world, and then he creates vegetation, then he creates the animal world, and as he's creating all these things, he eventually comes, and it says in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he says, let us, speaking of the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, let them, now he says, rule over all the earth and all over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so in this sense, made in God's image, you have an opportunity with your entire life whatever you do, to be a co-creator, a co-worker, a co-operator, a co-ordinator of God's purpose in your specific world. You have the opportunity to be a part of his agenda. And you can answer that call with your life or you can refuse it. You can answer that call with your life at a one time and say, God, I want to do this. And you can then go the rest of the week and not even think about it. And what I really want us to, to challenge us to think about as a church is, is this reality, that if we could get kind of this shift within our mind, if we could as a people begin to realize, like it says in, 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 in the book of Joshua, that wherever we place our feet, God is going with us. We are made for a purpose, and in that purpose, we have an agenda that is his agenda that has the possibility that, that we can bring. Think about this, the positive presence of God in every and any situation. But what's interesting is I've been reading a number of different things. There's one, one young lady, um, Amy, who is a, a bank teller. She says, it's so easy not to think about God at work and to almost kind of think, does it really matter what I do? Acts 13.36, David the shepherd boy, this wilderness wanderer who eventually becomes um, the king, he made a choice many different times even throughout his life that he would serve God's purpose. And so kind of um, the Meyer paraphrase and application of this is God has a purpose for your life as he did David and just like David we will all die, we will all fall asleep. Isn't it interesting it says here that he served his purpose in his generation then he fell asleep and I love the way scripture talks about death. And he says he just, he fell asleep. We will all like David die, we will all fall asleep and we will be awakened into eternity. Every person. And we will all face God our maker and he will ask, did you serve my purpose with your life? Not did you go to church on Sunday. Not did even you have a quiet time. But did those things like church and quiet times add to your desire to serve his agenda and his purpose in your life? And, and, and the question is, what will your answer be? What will our answer be? Because it's important to know the truth that you were born by his purpose and you were born for his purpose. And throughout the years, scores of people have watched for the, uh, the purpose of their life. They, they search for it and, and they're confused and they're puzzled. And, and one of the reasons I think people are confused and puzzled around their purpose, and, and if you've read like um, uh, the uh, Rick Warren's Purpose-Filled Driven Life, he makes this point. He says, one of the reasons people really struggle to find their purpose in life is because it's finding my purpose. So much of it is starting with ourselves. 
It's self-centered. What do I want to do? What should I do with my life? What are my goals and, and my ambitions and my dreams for my future? Does that sound familiar? I mean, I get that. But there's a problem with that self-centered approach. The, 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 the purpose is, God, what is your agenda and what is your purpose for my life in this moment? I um, got an email from one of the members in our church, and one of the things I, I love about um, the church here is that uh, you all help me write these messages. I so often will uh, hear a story of someone's life, and you'll share that, and we're hoping that in this series there'll be a number of videos and other stories and things to help people see where their work in what they're doing and in what they understand God doing in it. But I got this email, and, and it was from... A, a devotional called Breakpoint Daily. It's a Chuck Colson. Some of you may have heard of, of Chuck Colson. And, and at one point, this person, his name is John Stonestreet, who is the author of this Breakpoint devotional on this day. He writes from, he says, the advice of, for many college students today when they're considering their careers is a simple follow your passions. Now, taking that alone, that's not a bad thing, because I would encourage people to find out, understand your passion. We'll talk about it in a moment. He says, but from their earliest years, millennials born between the late 70s and the mid-90s were told that they were special, that they can be whatever they want to be, and that they just should follow their passions And when, choosing, when they choose a career. And not surprisingly, he says, millennials will tend to struggle with a sense of entitlement. Stone Street continues, he quotes another person, he says, the millennial needs a lot more from a career than prosperity and security. Where baby boomers, okay, those of you who were born what, between the 60s and uh, in that 45s, I think the 60s, something, the baby boomers, he says, wanted to live the American dream. Millennials want to live their own personal dream. You see where the, the self gets really tied into it. And this is, he says, a recipe for unhappiness. In those rare situations where reality exceeds our expectations, those convinced of the inherent goodness of their own personal dreams will be happy. There's a few who will, will experience it. But when reality falls short, as is often the case, these dreamers will be unhappy, even depressed. Reality will never match the dreams millennials have been told to expect. It's almost this kind of sense that you can, you know, so the baby boomer, you know, we're going to live the American dream. That's what it's all about and, and it's not about God's purpose but it's about this American dream and, and then we have been told that by a generation so we tell the next generation no follow your passions live your own personal dream and, and live that out and, 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 and I think sometimes it's a setup it's like it's like kids who are in high school you know every kid in high school thinks they're going to make the NBA or they're going to play in the NHL right are they going to be in the NFL and when you really think about it, it's a small portion of those groups that get in there, or, or people who are in dance club, or they're in drama, and they think, I'll be in Broadway someday. And, 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 and you have this sense of, like, and then eventually, kind of reality, you go, you know, I, probably, I may not. That personal dream, just it may not happen. Now, it doesn't mean you don't understand your passions and move towards it, but what you understand is there's something different. It's not about necessarily even my own personal dream. It's about God. What is your purpose for me in my life? And how do I fit into that? And I know some people who, in their own life, as they've been going along, came to a place where they hit a real wall. 
And it was in hitting that wall that they began to say, you know, God, I, I love you, bless me. But in that experience, when they hit that wall, and you may be there right now, when you hit the, they hit that wall, they began to ask that question, God, what does you want me to do? And what's really interesting about it, some of them have gone and they found that God has blessed them in a deep ways. They made a career change and they see God do incredible things. Some have actually made other changes in their life that aren't even around their career or even around maybe that personal dream they once had. But they begin to see God's purpose in their life and it's just wildly transforming. Because what they're seeing in their life is not so much what they're going to get, whether it's an American dream or their own personal dream, but they're beginning to see God work in their life in whatever situation he's called them to in that moment. And that's amazing. I, um, we've had a number of dogs through the year, and, and dogs, I think, are great teachers. Like, just like kids, like little Gabriel we talked about earlier, can be a great teacher. Um, dogs are great teachers. You just kind of look at their lives. And we had a dog that people just love to hate. Okay, and it wasn't the um, our golden retriever, which people most people just love. But we had a little Sheltie named Shelby, and, and this dog was a really interesting dog because Shelby, um, when she was doing what God created her to do, it didn't matter what context she was in. If she could herd and corral something, she'd come alive. I mean, it really didn't even, it just, passion exuded from her, whether she was actually corralling kids in a basement and playing a game called Shelby Tag, or whether she was out in the yard corralling the the horses and trying to get them to go in a direction, or even if it was this mechanical horse with these rubber wheels on it that was coming into our driveway. She just was alive with this transformation because she was doing what God had purposed her to do. And so some of the parents didn't really like little Shelby. But when she was doing what she was created and purposed to do, the agenda that her creator had made her for, when she was in her element, she was just alive. And even when she was old in what I call in retirement, I mean, you know, she got to a point where she was, you know, a dog walking around. When that was called out of her, it was like she was this two-year-old frisky little pup chasing chickens into a coop or cats into a corner. It's just like she just awesome burst again with energy. Because she began to pay attention to this. She knew this, I guess. God made that dog for a purpose. That dog didn't have the choice. I mean, that's just part of the nature of that dog. You and I have a choice. To say, God, in my work situation, this may not be in this place exactly what I'm cut out to do, right? But you might, like Jesus, begin to start asking who is constantly co-creating, co-working, co-operating with God through the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus would walk to places, we're we're told in in Scripture that he would say to people at times, I just kind of watch what my Father is doing. I'm kind of paying attention to his agenda. And when I'm in touch with what his agenda is, I just move into what he's doing. I just do what he's doing. I pay attention to... What he's at work doing in my work. And then I make a choice to follow that. 
And I can talk to, I, I, I had an opportunity this week of talking to someone who is about 28, 29 years of age, young guy, who, the reason I want to talk to him, because when we were doing these work-life things, we were talking and preparing for the series with a group of people for the last number of weeks, um, this guy's name kept coming up. And I thought, I've got to meet this guy, and maybe I'll even have him come, because I don't even know, I don't know his story, his life, but I sit down and talk with him, and and he just attend, he's, a, he's an attendant doing minimum wage at a service station not too far from here. And I just started talking about, you know, his life and, and, and you know, why, you know, all these people recognize you. And he just loves serving people. At a certain point in his life, um, through an incident that occurred um, in his life, this young guy was transformed because he began to go, you know what? Um, I just started taking so many things for granted and I began to start realizing I just wanted to be a person that puts joy in other people's lives. And he just kind of looks around and he has people from St. Paul who come to this just to get gas. And he just, he said, I don't get it. I remember one time I was meeting with a guy who, who makes machines and he wanted me, and I said, I'll go see your plant. He had made some machine that made popcorn and boxed it and all the other stuff. And he walked around because he was so excited about how God had given him these gifts to do this and the impact. He just walked around with wild excitement just telling me about how this machine works and I'm just going, I don't get it. But he saw his life as doing something really constructive. Even what he was doing, he, he just saw his whole life in context in the sense that God was using him and his gifts in a way that was making a difference. I don't know, maybe you haven't thought about that much, or maybe you have, or maybe you've given some thought to it. But what I want to do is just close here with just some, what I, some practical things that, that maybe will help you think through this whole idea of calling in your life. For instance, the very first thing is important to know is God's calling is now. Okay? God's calling is now. It's not, there may be a greater calling later, but his calling is now. We are called to live in the present. No matter what you do, knowing God has made you for a purpose, there's a question that you can always ask yourself. In this current situation, what God are you calling me to do and be right now? Open my eyes and my ears to what your agenda is here. There is, there is, I can just tell you, there's something wonderful to see yourself working with God and seeing a person's heart and life changed. Some of the little things that happen, you go, I prayed about it, and as I saw God work, and, and, and as I prayed about that, God used what I just did there in this person's life in a way that that just... Brings such joy. And so you can ask yourself um, that question, whatever you do, maybe it's to be a role model and to not complain and to be the best worker you can be. Maybe it's to be aware of another person and their needs. Maybe it's to say, um, God, what am I here to do right now here in this place? John Stone Street in the same breakpoint. Um, article, he says, it's really only in the Christian West, especially America, who have had the luxury of dwelling on the question, what has God made me to do and what is my calling, 
that you have this drive to find my own personal passion and dream. He says, unfortunately, along the way, we've missed other lessons about calling that our brothers and sisters around the world have been forced to learn. He says, the Protestant reformers understood calling not to be primarily about passion, but a commitment to glorify God in whatever situation we find ourselves. It may be you're calling right now to be a student or a mom or a dad or a minimum wage employee, simply just making a living. Whether directly connected with our passions or not, God calls us first and foremost to do the next thing well to his glory with all of our might. And that kind of, I love that. Whether it's directly connected to our passions or not, God calls us first and foremost to do the next thing well to his glory with all of our might. And he advises, instead of asking God, what's, my, what's your will for me someday, which is an okay question, and it's obvious a question that should be asked. He says, maybe the better question is, what does God want me to do well next with all my might? Because God has made you for a purpose and you can cooperate and co-create with him. Another thing I want to share with you is, is there is this sense that God often does, when we're doing what that next thing that's in front of us and we do it well with all our might, those next things we do well are often stepping stones, preparations for the next thing God's calling us to. You may in your heart have, you know, God may have at some point in your heart, and I don't want to take this away from you, God has spoken to you about something that he has in mind for you that he's moving you towards. Um, if you're like me, my, my tendency is to just focus on that. But what you'll find is that even though God may have spoken to you about something here, if you concentrate on the next thing that you're to do well with all your might, there is a sense that each of those can be preparations for what God might be fully calling you to do that your heart has been longing for. Does that make sense? You can find it all the time through scripture. You find it in the lives of people. I think of, of, of Joseph himself. Joseph had these dreams, and the dreams were so much so that his brothers were really ticked off at him. He had this dream that I'm going to rule over you and, 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 and even my, my, my father and my, our families. And what's the first thing that happens to him? He gets put in a pit. He gets sold into slavery. And he goes to Egypt. And in Egypt, he's in a home. And he's made the chief administrator of the home. And so he learns a lot of lessons about administration. He learns a lot of stuff about this Egyptian, Egyptian culture. He's making his way up, and he's doing really well, and all of a sudden, Potiphar, his wife, goes, you know what, She's, she, she makes trouble for him. He gets sent into a prison, but catch where he goes. You think his life is going like this, and all the time God is going like this. You may think your life is going like this, and I'm not even moving towards my calling, or it seems to be going the opposite direction of it, but what happens in his calling is God brings him to this place where he's administrator of a home. He gets sent to a prison. It looks like it's going the opposite direction, but the prison he was in was a political prison. And it was in that, because you know it's a political prison, because the people that he's rubbing shoulders with are the ones that are getting cast out of the, the, the Pharaoh's presence. And he's getting to know all the political intrigue. He's getting to understand all the political ways of the kingdom. And he's growing as an administrator of that kingdom. And eventually there's a day, it says there was two years of silence. He, he had been told, and he had given this dream, and he thought God was going to work in this, this baker and this cupbearer, this, this, these guys' lives, and that the, the Pharaoh was going to come back to him, and somehow he'd be rewarded and for two years nothing was said until finally the pharaoh has a dream and he goes you know there was someone who was interpreting dreams and he goes down he gets joseph and joseph goes into a place where he does what god had at one time called him 
So your call is now, very practically, your call is to do the next thing in front of you well with all your might. Your call is also many times a preparation for something God is going to do. Happened in the life of Jesus. Spent 30 years at home taking care of a business until his 30th year, God promoted him into what his full calling was. And then God includes our passions. And so I want to say you don't lead with your passions. The passions are very important. It's good to understand them. It's good to know those things. It's good to be aware of those things because you don't want to do things that you're not passionate about. We in America have, a, have the opportunity to pay attention to those things. The greater question, though, still is what is God's purpose and what is his call in my life right now? But you'll find that with those passions, he'll use those things. And, and often what he does is you do the next thing well, and as you do the next thing well, and he begins to prepare you for what the things he has ahead of you, you find that he is through the course of these things aligning your passions with his purpose. And so what I would love for us to think about, if, if there's anything that I pray that God will accomplish for us in this time, is that each one of us will really consider and say, God, as I go through this week, I'm going to pray for the next five, six weeks that as we go through this, there will be a mind shift. I will begin to see my daily life and I will be asking you, what are you calling me to do now? Is there one thing today? Is there one thing, God, that you want me to be aware of? Is there one step into your agenda that could really make a difference and transform someone else in my own heart and life? I'm going to have you watch this video, another little video, and then I'll come up and the band will be here and, and we'll just close the service. The truck. What? Yeah. Sure. Aww. He wants to give you something. A present. He's gonna get a little bucket in this truck. Yeah, but he has something for you. Something, Daniel. He's gonna. Oh, what did he do? Oh, oh, Manuel. What's that, Daniel? Daniel, look in it. Can you look? What is it? It's a garbage truck. Daniel, wait, look, open. Wait, open it. Oh, you're not going to believe it, but... Oh, he had one like this and it broke. Oh, really? So you got him a new one. That is so sweet. Oh, oh, thank you so much. Oh, Daniel, what do you say? So that was a little autistic child who was mesmerized every day that, I mean, whenever that garbage truck would come. And Manuel was just watching that. And... Uh, and obviously, he was moved in his heart at some point to go, you know what? I'm going to get him a truck 
And obviously the parents didn't know because he goes, can I bring him a gift? And yeah. And they brought that little gift up. And that's kind of what I think the picture of being in God's purpose is about. Paying attention. God, what is my life in the midst of my work about? And our prayers, it'll be about what God's doing and how he's using your life to touch other lives in whatever you do.